BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, yo, this is Big Daddy Kane, and you're listening to another hot interview on The Library with Tim Einenkel on RapStation.com. He's one of the founding members of the legendary hip-hop group Black Sheep, and he continues to impact the art as a solo artist and as a co-creator along with Jerobi White as a, of A Tribe Called Quest of the group Evitan. I want to welcome Drez, a.k.a. Black Sheep Drez, to the library of Tamanic Hill on RapStation.com. Ah, thanks for having me, bro. Uh, so I just want to start with the obviously the first your Black Sheep's debut album, uh, "A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing," and then of course we'll get into what's going on now and stuff like that. Um, the intro cut for that album uh, it was one of mocking the then increasing lyrics of that spoke about crime and sometimes even glorified crime uh, and the criminal lifestyle. And you you kind of talked about how in past interviews you talked about how as someone who did time in Rikers Island you came out and noticed that people weren't as, quote-unquote, as hard as they were pretending to be on, on the record. Uh, that said, fast forward to today, it seems now the glorification of crime culture is a must in order to get commercial play. Why do you think this is the case? Um, wow, that's a really good question. Um, one of the things that I really kind of see in today's society is the continuation of the... The bondage, you know, what I'm saying at this point it's more of, of of a of a mental thing, and you know, what I'm saying I seriously, you know, it's I guess possibly my own theory, but <laughs> I definitely look at it as you know, people of color, you know, are the children of slaves, you know, what I'm saying have for too long been you know broken and 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 having to deal with a broken lifestyle, you know, people would rather be broke than be broken. You know what I'm saying? Which is unfortunate. You know what I'm saying? If you're broke, you can always kind of rebound the next day. But if you're broken, you know, that's much more of a task. And the powers that be seem to contribute to the dysfunction of people of color by perpetuating such lifestyles. You know what I'm saying? By, you know, making it very accessible for you to hear things that that go totally against the grain of human culture human nature and just being a human being you know what i'm saying these are the things that we hear on a daily basis on our radio stations as as opposed to some of the uplifting things that do exist you know what i'm saying and in my opinion it creates a climate that we are kind of 
numb to the 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 glorification of the violence you know what i'm saying and so when we see it we're not as opposed to it as not even as that we see it when we hear it we're not as opposed to it as we should be you know what i'm saying and it sets up a climate whereas you know that the prison industry is big business it perpetuates people of color being incarcerated thus the big business of prison being you know saying um continually blown up like right now most prisons are privatized people that fill these prisons are people of color the people of color that fill these prisons are all people that were basically listening to the radio and you know saying kind of got caught up in the windfall of the things that are pushed on our community that being said you know saying i feel like a lot of what we're hearing is literally paid for by the powers that be to kind of keep these mental chains in place you know saying it would be so easy for us to speak of greater things and to show greater things and you know instead of us putting that kind of energy into us improving life we continue to you know to stay stagnated you know what I'm saying right where we are because it feeds the pockets of something of an agenda that's above our heads you know what I'm saying and i know that's a lot to say about music but i really really you know what i'm saying look at the world we live in and the things that are pushed on our children it's up uh, it's really important for us especially as parents at this point to you know to monitor, to monitor what's going on in our lives and the lives of our children because it it directly affects them when they have to make decisions on their own you know what i'm saying when once it comes to the point that they're making decisions on their own but all of these ill things are being inundated in their lives and and just really pushed upon them they don't see the problem with taking these penitentiary chances on a daily basis for literally sneaker money you know what i'm saying if if that you know people are much more into notoriety than they are into into making money you know everyone says they're trying to make money and this and the other but cats really just want to be known and they'll do anything for it i.e you know the kardashians to you know the love and hip-hops of the world to every reality show that's on television like it's all problematic and and it's at a point now where the people are really numb to it for the most part. People are really numb to it, and it's really having a, 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 a counterclockwise effect on the culture. You're someone who has obviously been in the industry for a while, and from a total outside perspective, you could kind of understand when you were first coming up, right? And even earlier that uh, artists would, because hip-hop wasn't as popular, artists would do anything, like, you know, just become popular and move the rap, move rap music but now you're at a time where rap is the most popular genre out there so this seems like the artist should be the most powerful and even today you have the russell simmons of the world who but yet as you mentioned this negative stereotype of black people are actually you know continuously pe- perpetuated am i i don't know am i missing something am i like not understanding why why you're at a time where there's a lot of power from what seems to be the artist's perspective uh, versus back then, which wasn't as much power and there's more diversity in the music. And now there's less, less diversity, but more power. On, am I missing something here? Um, nah, you're not. Um, yeah, it's very unfortunate. And you're hitting it right on the head. You know what I'm saying? Like, we do have this power that we're not honing in on and that we're not taking advantage of. And that we're not even moving together on. They say that the you know the, the, a statement from 
from back was that the rap game's a lot like the crack game. And and I would agree with that, especially to the extent that people will sacrifice so, uh, the advancement of the masses for self-glorification. And that's kind of where we're at with it. As opposed to people moving together, as opposed to artists coming together. I mean, the things that we're talking about from distribution to marketing, promotion, all of these things can be done internally while artists moving together. We're at a point where there's more millionaires in the music than there's ever been in the history of music. You know what I'm saying? Yet all of these cats are much more in the self-glorification than, than the advancement of anything. You know what I'm saying? There's, there is no advancement of us as a people when cats would rather, you know, when, when they'd rather, you know, put money into, um, you know, a Bentley or into, you know, an, an address or the baubles of jewelry as opposed to their own people. You know what I'm saying? Like these own people don't own, you know, simple things that would help advance the people. You know, saying it's much more of a self-glorification thing. And this is one of the mistakes that was made when cats were hustling. Everybody went for self and tried to do, you know, their own thing. And, you know, they'd rather wear mink and, you know, some jewelry and, you know, have a car waiting for them. than do something simple like open a bodega or invest in a brownstone in Harlem, you know, 20 years ago when it was eight, $10,000. Now they're, you know, $800,000 and they can't get in, you know what I'm saying? But it was simple solutions that just weren't being adhered to. And it still continues today, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's more of a, on a self-mission as opposed to us just coming together. And it would be so simple. In hip-hop today, there's probably 100 millionaires, you know what I'm saying, that if they bonded on any level could affect change. You know what I'm saying? And rather than that, they'd rather be on Instagram showing you the things that you'll never afford that they have. You know what I'm saying? And don't see the value in the people. And and that's where we lose continually because, you know, when, you, when you're combating the things that we're listening to on the radio and, and, and then, you, and then you, the things that you idolize, the people that you kind of look up to, don't even talk to you, let alone talk for you. You know what I'm saying? It's really a lose-lose situation that we're kind of looking at right now unless, you know, the people come together and do something different. And, and, and I say optimistic about it because I feel like at any day the people could change this. You know what I'm saying? The things that we support, the things that, you know, that, that, that we allow to come into our homes, to come into our lives. You know what I'm saying? Like if there was any form and semblance of unity, these things could change. But as long as we continue to kind of put ourselves in front of the greater good of our people, and when I say our people, I speak for hip-hop, you know what I'm saying, that being, you know, it doesn't matter what color you are, what gender you are, what, you know, your sexual preferences, if you're under the umbrella of hip-hop, you know what I'm saying, we're all the same, you know what I'm saying, and if these people could come together and, and affect change, this change would be the new blueprint, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, for us to do some really, really powerful things in the world, as opposed to just, you know, wearing baubles and, you know, and claiming something that isn't even real. You, you touched on commercial radio, and, and obviously you've had commercial radio success. Um, so I want to, if you look at commercial, for me, if you look at commercial rap music as a human stage of development, I feel like one can argue today that the current stage is one of a teenager or an adolescence, right? Um, and you obviously are much older now than when you first started out, right? So there is, there is, there are a group of, from your generation that has grown up. Um, do you think 
in order do you foresee a future where in order to be commercially successful you could kind of be an adult rapper or and also are you still trying for commercial success with your music or have you just kind of let that go um well i definitely feel like uh commercial success is uh not necessarily something that i'm pursuing wholeheartedly i do feel like you know the more people that hear your music especially when you have something to say the better do i wish more um more elder hip-hop artists were being heard commercially definitely because you know that it's like almost like i put like this an analogy would be a chef or even even someone in rock and roll or jazz you know once once you're 20 years into it you're you're a master you know what I'm saying, and 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 your your work is sought is sought after. You know what I'm saying. The ageism in hip hop is, is is very unfortunate because you know they they try to make it a young man's game, but that's just another device of of, of separation. You know what I'm saying of divide and conquer. The ageism aspect, and the thing that younger cats fail to realize is that in music, particularly. The lifespan of an artist is very quick. In five to seven years, you're an older artist. If you start right now, in five to seven years, you have some commercial success. Seven years from now, you're the older artist. But if you don't set the precedence that you embrace those that were here before you, that you even seeking out the music of those that were here before you because they do have something to say. They do have these things that speak to the, the upright walk that should exist you know what I'm saying then not only are you part of the problem you'll have to deal with the same problem in seven years five to seven years now you're the older dude with younger cats looking at you like you're in their way you know what I'm saying and it's unfortunate that we don't take the same precedence that a jazz does or that a master chef receives you know what I'm saying that you know like these are people that you know have done the work and are truly masters of their field. The same exists for a hip-hop artist. You know what I'm saying? I look at the artists that I'm on the road with these days. You know, I do a lot of the the older, the legends tours with Rakim, the, you know, Big Daddy Kane, EPMD. These cats' music should still be commercially sound. You know what I'm saying? And it's so unfortunate that, you know, that these great artists are sacrificed for youngsters that are basically unintelligible, you know what I'm saying? Saying things that are just contrary to the well-being of people. Not even people of color, but people, period. You know what I'm saying? And that these same people would look down upon the people that paved the way for them. You know what I'm saying? It's very unfortunate. But I also blame the gatekeepers. I blame I blame the, the program directors. It's much more their fault than it is the children's fault that are making music and, 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 and playing by the rules that... Are, that was set before them you know what i'm saying i kind of do an analogy where you know the young cats right now they're all they're all digging holes they're all digging holes the unfortunate thing that they don't know about the holes that they're digging is that they're for them you know what i'm saying once they, they finish digging these holes they're forced to get in you know what i'm saying and they don't realize it until they're in the hole you know what i'm saying and you know it's the elder statesman that would show them you know how to maneuver around this hole and you know that the whole shouldn't even exist. You know what I'm saying? But everyone, everybody buy into the, the notion of notoriety. You know, they'd much rather the machine make them known 
than for the machine to put out some musical substance. It's much more about branding than about listening. It also seems like an artist that doesn't embrace, um, I mean, let's say adulthood uh, in terms of his, his or her content is that it's, it's he or she will be cutting his career short because, I mean, honestly, who's going to believe like a 50-year-old person talking about yeah. what kids talk about today, right? I mean, it's just yeah. like... Yeah, it's unfortunate that even cats like a Jay-Z, you know, when they do make music, they're still talking about, you know, selling crack. Like, that's, that's, that's unfortunate, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, he's one of the cats that literally, you know, for, well, for a moment, he was one of the cats that, you know, literally could have spoke to cats about, you know, the, the pitfalls, you know what I'm saying, and how to, how, to, how, to, how to work around them. Or even, you know, speak about the greatness of, you know, of him maintaining his credit rating and, you know, simple things that would help kids move forward. You know, you could still kind of be the artist that you want to be and make some of the music that you want to make, but you should also, you know what I'm saying, be well-rounded. And, you know, for every, for every, you know, one of those records, you should make a record that kind of, you know, speaks to the walk of who you really are. You know, I'm not saying that everyone has to make up this positive record that speaks to, you know, you being this church going, you know, upright citizens brigade. But at the end of the day, there should be growth. You know what I'm saying? And and even your mistakes, you know, should be kind of known how you maneuvered out of them. You know what I'm saying? No one really gives the keys to to the door anymore. They just they just want you to they just want to be seen in the room. They don't want to necessarily show you the things that goes that you have to go through to get in the room and the things that you have to go through to stay in the room. You know what I'm saying? And and that's unfortunate as well. You know, once again, that's us sacrificing the advancement of ourselves for self-glorification, you know? And you know, that's that's a real unfortunate thing in hip hop. One of the things that I I had hoped that the native tongue would be able to kind of circumvent a lot of this. And, you know, it's unfortunate that even the native tongue don't get the opportunity to speak, you know what I'm saying, to be heard. You know, like, it's everything is much more on an independent note this, this, these days. But this is something that, you know, that would make radio even stronger. Unfortunately, they seem oblivious to it, you know what I'm saying? But if they could, you know, speak to some of the solutions that everyone goes through, you know what I'm saying? And there's music out there, there's artists out there that do walk it and and that do speak to it, to the plights of men and, and, and women. You know what I'm saying? But these records really don't get a lot of opportunity to be heard, you know, for a 2 Chains or a Young Thug or what have you. You know, these records that almost make you dumber for having heard them. You know, no slight to these artists, but... I feel like these artists are slighting, slighting the community. You know what I'm saying? Like any artist that says they'll dumb themselves down to make money, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a, you're a sellout. You know, and, and I don't have a problem calling you that. You know what I'm saying? That's where I'm from with it. I'm, I'm a dope MC. I don't need someone to tell me that. I've been doing this for over 20 years. I'm nice with mine. And, and, and I wish that cats could grow to be nice with theirs too. You know, sincerely. Uh, earlier you spoke about kind of and, you know, you spoke about paying respects to those before you. And you did a lot in your music, I've noticed. You, you, you know, you did that with, uh, especially in the um, the Evitan album. Um, and something that really stood out to me, and it's something that I've, I've noticed that artists do, is that they always give, one way or another in their lyrics, they give, they give an ode to Stevie Wonder. And I know you, you said that you started listening to Stevie Wonder when you were 10 years old. 
and you recently posted a bunch of uh, YouTube uh, s- songs via YouTube uh, on your Twitter account of Stevie. I want to sing last night at Madison Square Garden. Oh God! Okay. <laughs> my phone with me and his daughter. Literally. Oh, that is awesome! Oh wow! Uh, um, what? So what is it, what is it about Stevie Wonder that you think influences hip hop musicians? But also, what is it about Stevie Wonder that influences you? Well, Stevie Wonder definitely is unequivocally my favorite artist. Um, he introduced me to the power of words. You know what I'm saying? And I think that kind of resonates probably with a lot of people as well as artists. You know what I'm saying? And he speaks to a hope and 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 aspiration that should exist in all of us you know what i'm saying like you know he speaks to the notion that that love is much greater than 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 the hate and 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 the indecencies that you know we go through in that and that given the opportunity we could conquer all of these things that are in front of us you know what i'm saying just a tremendous tremendous musician lyricist singer um i mean like i said unequivocally my favorite artist and there's not very many that i kind of would bend over backwards for this man i would um he he speaks to something that you know that artists just don't these days you know especially if they sing it's almost like the singers are almost as bad as the the rappers you know what i'm saying like you know like they just hit you with a shock value type of thing and stevie speaks to something that's much greater than than a dollar than you know what i'm saying than than even your position in life you know what i'm saying like you know he speaks to just an upright walk that you know that when i look at you i should see myself you know what i'm saying and that when i look at you know a young lady i should see my sister or my mother or what have you and and even you know in the realms of a relationship you know to you know just how to love someone and, and how to love yourself and these are things that really don't exist in music unfortunately at this point and you know like i hold this man in very very high esteem you know what i'm saying and um you know i think a lot of artists do that that have been around for a while because they've grown to understand the power not only of their words but of their actions and sometimes you know the things that you put in the universe you know when you're young you really don't see it you know you might say anything you know saying but life has a way of showing you what you said and as you grow older you know you you start taking these things into account and i think stevie saw this 30 years ago you know i'm saying even you know as a child the 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 things that he he wrote as as a, as a child artist resonate you know what I'm saying just resonate one of my favorite songs is a song that he wrote called evil and um you know it's literally literally a song written to evil you know what I'm saying and you know like just conceptually this man and you know just the quintessential artist to me love him to death Why have you engulfed so many hearts? Going back to uh, Black Sheep's debut album, A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, uh, the track, the record of Past the 40, is a track with you and other MCs kind of taking turns rhyming in a cipher. And I'm kind of interested in like how this record was made. Uh, was it literally like you guys in one studio kind of passing a mic back and forth, or... Did you guys like just take different turns in the booth, or how did it work? Um, that was different turns in the booth for sure, and um, that was a pretty cool record. It, I mean, it represents some cool aspects that really don't get captured on record a lot. There was a young Chiali, you know, what I'm saying who wound up, you know, definitely having his trials and tribulations in life and as an artist, and still, you know, mounting a comeback right now. We're doing some work as well right now. Um, it also had Chris Lighty on it. God bless, you know, what I'm saying who was our first manager, passed away and what have you, and um. 
you know, that was something different as well. You usually, you generally didn't hear someone, you know, a group's manager, you know, rhyming. But, you know, but the beautiful thing about hip-hop is that we were all roughly around the same age. We're all young. And, you know, it, it was in them, you know what I'm saying? Another thing that was on the record, person that was on the record is was our A&R, Dave Gossett. I don't think that's ever been done before, you know what I'm saying, at least at that point. But Dave was a young cat as well. You know, he signed us, you know, matter of fact, he might have been younger than us that signed us. And, um, you know, and it was just a playful time, whereas, you know, we all jumped in and out of the booth. We weren't in the booth at the same time. But it was just, you know, a, a vibe record, you know what I'm saying? It was a good vibe. The people around us created good vibes. And, you know, we didn't have any problem with sharing the mic. I want to go to uh, talk about your second album real quick, um, Black, Black Sheep's second album, Nonfiction. Uh, it turns 20th anniversary is December 6th. Um, was there anything about that album that, looking back now, that you would have changed? Also, was there a great deal of pressure, either you know, externally or internally, from you guys uh, to kind of deliver more on this album because of the success of your debut album? Um, honestly, to this day, I feel like that album didn't get its fair shake. And for certain, for several reasons, one of the things I probably would have changed about the, us doing the album was that I think we probably spent too much money on it um, because we were trying to follow up something that was very, you know, just just something that got a lot of love and every, you know, we definitely tried our best to kind of not necessarily um, emulate the, the record or copy the record because because we definitely wanted to create a different record. But we wanted it to be received as well as the first one had. The, the unfortunate things that happened with the second record was that there was an entirely different staff at Mercury, Polygram. At this point, um, the music was changing a little bit uh, to say that, you know, some of the things that were... There was just some different preferences in music at that point. Um, and we really kind of got caught up in the shuffle of, you know, Mercury at this point was about to be, was about to fold, you know what I'm saying? We kind of got caught up in all of the aspects that were kind of above over our head. Um, I look back on the record today and I'm really proud of it. It's a really good record, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and, and it was very intentional that we didn't try to recreate a choice is yours or that we didn't try to recreate a flavor of the month. We wanted to show the diversity that we had that we had as artists. You know, I did a lot more production on the second album as well. Um, you know, I barely did any on the first album. I just did all the writing, and um, so you know, that was us really trying to trying to spread our wings a little bit. And unfortunately, the timing of it wasn't really all that great. Even to the degree that if you were to look on the the, the CD cover on the side on the spine, it says "Balk Sheep." B a b a l c k sheep, and once I saw that, I knew it was yeah. This was this was this was done. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't long after that that I decided to kind kind of part ways and just kind of start on my own solo venture. You know, and 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 at the time, Long and I were going through some internal stuff as well that that made it easier for me to step away. You know what I'm saying? But I think given the same opportunity that the first album received, you know, the first album had four singles with videos. Um, you know, the second one only had one, you know, and right after that, you know, we got caught up in the the big business of being on a major label, you know what I'm saying? And it is big business. You know, one of the things I learned while being on Mercury, that Mercury's owned by Polygram. Polygram's owned by Philip Slight. Philip Slight really doesn't care about any music coming out. You know what I'm saying? The bottom line is, you know, how much money do we make or how much money do we lose? And once you kind of understand that about your parent company, 
then you know, then you really understand that you know, like it, this might as well be a cup of piss on the table. My CD, you know, like it, it's you know something they're picking up with tongs, and you know it, it's nothing personal. You know what I'm saying? And that's quite an introduction to big business. You know what I'm saying? But that's literally what you're in as a musician on a major label. This is big business, and the thought and care that you put into the studio doesn't even matter. You know what I'm saying? It's a cup of piss. <laughs> that was part one of my interview with Dress from Black Sheep. Stay tuned for next week when we'll talk to the Black Sheep founding member about his post-Black Sheep work, his work with Jerobi White of A Tribe Called Quest on their group, Evitan, and much more. Make sure to follow me on Twitter. The handle is at Library with Tim. That's at Library with Tim. You're listening to The Library on RapStation.com. Peace. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.